The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hi, I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me on Psych Up Live. Today we're asking the question, are gender role stereotypes crippling your love life? In your search for a potential partner, do you worry about being too strong or independent as a woman? Or how sensitive you can be as a man without losing the so-called alpha male attractiveness? Across gender and age, are people defaulting to stereotypes or presumptions of what they think others want them to be? To answer these questions and much more, we welcome back as our guest and expert, Ken Page, psychotherapist and the author of the best-selling book, Deeper Dating, How to Drop the Games of Seduction and Discover the Power of Intimacy. Ken is a leading Psych Today blogger, a Huffington Post blogger, You've seen him featured in Oprah Magazine, The New York Times, Cosmopolitan, Fox News. He's led hundreds of workshops on intimacy and spirituality for thousands of participants. Acclaimed by many leaders in the field like Harville Hendricks, Helen Lakely Hunt, Ariel Ford, Ken Page has been called a relationship guru. Ken, it is a great pleasure to welcome you back to Psych Up Live. Suzanne, it's an honor to be with you. I always so enjoy our conversations, so thank you for inviting me. Okay, great. Thank you. So, Ken, what do you think? Why do we see so many folks as they head back into the dating world get caught up in the gender role stereotypes? Yeah, you know, as a psychotherapist who's been working in the field for decades, I see so many um, strong women who worry about um, turning off men if they're too competent, too successful, too passionate about their career, too too strong, that they're that they're somehow losing their femininity. And so many men that I speak to who have wonderful qualities of kindness, generosity, goodness, and who are very very competent and successful men, feeling like they're beta men instead of alpha men. In other words, that they're too gentle, that they're too uh, soft, that they're not like born leaders, and that ultimately that means they're not going to find the love they want. And it's not like... It's not like the toothpaste has ever fully come out of the tube yet. We come from such intense gender role stereotyping. It's not like we left that behind and people are still stuck in it. It's that we're still struggling to get out of it. And so 
it's a very interesting thing. You know, we've come so far with men being able to embrace their sensitivity in the last number of decades, in, in the last half century even, let's say. It's breathtaking. And women being able to experience their own power and their own independence. Uh, we've come so far that I think as a country and as a world, our heads are collectively spinning. Yes. But we're not out of the woods yet. And so... so Women are still haunted by this feeling that, that, that they need, that, that, that if they cross a line, what I call one of the electrified tripwires of gender taboo that we've all been brought up with, that they're going to lose love and men the same. And unfortunately, many very respected teachers Teach women this. I, I'd say teach men this, but but really teach women this in very powerful ways. Like they create a fear of, oh God, if you lose your femininity, which you do by being too empowered, men are going to somehow lose this unbelievably fragile sense of masculinity, and they're going to flee you because they don't get to be the man because you're the man. There's so much wrong with this thinking that it's hard to even know where to begin. And um, I think I think we end up with kind of crazy um, pushbacks because sometimes we'll see a woman who is strong but believes she has to be aggressive to be strong because she's not been supported for just being her smart self. I, I think absolutely. And when we add can social media bombardment of everything from series to constant. Um, Instagram pictures and advertisements, it's no wonder, you know, we always say that when people are anxious, they regress to their earliest fears and their earliest rules of operation. And if you came from a family that said, you never call a man or you don't show weakness, you're going right there if you're anxious in the dating pool. Absolutely. Or um, if you're having sex. And you're a woman and you're feeling kind of dominant or assertive and you think, oh my God, I can't show this part of me, even though it's natural, it's organic, it's, it's delightful and it's enthusiastic. Or you're a man and you want to like, kind of like be vulnerable or be submissive or just be soft or be held. You feel like, oh my God, I can't do this. This would be the most unattractive thing in the world. And it's because, you know, I, I want to say something about gender as a spectrum. Because gender is a spectrum. It's not a binary. And there is such beauty in so many of the points in the spectrum. There's something so exquisite and wonderful about femininity. I don't even know how to describe what that is, but you see someone with a beautiful quality of femininity and it's just, oh, it's just, it's magic. Or you see somebody with a real strong sense of masculinity, usually the woman with the femininity, the man with the masculinity, although that absolutely doesn't have to be. And there's something gorgeous in it. So at every point in the spectrum, there's something beautiful in our gender expression. But we're given this, like, boys wear blue and girls wear pink mentality that stops us from embodying these parts of ourselves. And... I guess one thing that's an incredible thing that I have seen again and again is that when you embrace the parts of yourself that feel gender different 
and those feel like important parts of your expression, when you embrace them, everything opens up. Your sex life opens up. Your emotional life opens up because these are just part of your natural spectrum. But we're so not taught to do that, and, and we're taught to be afraid to do that. And it's also an acquired taste, right? Like, let's say that there is a woman with a man who has never let himself show these deep qualities of vulnerability and softness, dependence even. She might not know what to do with that at first, and and, and Mm. the reverse, men to women. But this is an acquired taste that we all need to learn, that all of us have access to this incredibly rich gender spectrum. We don't have to hold ourselves back as much anymore. Well, one of the things that you sort of really support in deeper dating and your whole philosophy is that if we start from the point of our own authenticity, if we dare to embrace who we really are, the chances that the partner we meet or find or who connects with us will also begin to feel free to really embrace their authenticity allows for the kind of multiple dimensions to emerge. Because if I'm phony trying to make you, trying to make myself match what I think you want, Ken, and you are reacting to the presented me, we don't even know who's on first base at that point. We don't know who's who. Exactly, exactly. And and, and if you're in a position where you're trying to grow and become a conscious person, and so many teachers who purport to teach consciousness and do in so many ways are still telling you, God forbid you lose your femininity, women, men, God forbid you lose your masculinity, which, you know, I don't even know what that means. We don't lose pieces of ourselves. But... um, When we succumb to that, then we choose gender roles over authenticity. And when we choose things over authenticity because we're afraid we won't be loved, we go down a bad path. And it's a path that usually leads to being attracted to people who aren't good for us Mm because they don't accept us for who we are. So it's it's a real act of bravery. You know, for people to to say, I'm going to choose authenticity first, and I'm going to look for someone who treasures what they see when when I do that. So I want to tell our listeners, and I was excited to find this study. This is a study by Eastwick and Eli Finkel, and what mm. it's. And what it tells us, Ken, is, and we know with people with online dating, they could be listening to us and saying, yeah, but really, take a look at who clicks on what. Everybody's clicking on the movie star looking guy or the very hot looking woman. And what this study shows is that physical attractiveness might matter in the absence of of social interaction. But once we put people with people the importance diminishes. What does that translate to? You ask men at a speed dating event, what are the criteria you're looking for in someone tonight? And then you proceed with the event. And of course, most of the men had written down, number one, physical attraction. And by the end of the event, when you list who matched up with whom, it had very little to do with the criteria that the men listed. Their backup study, yes, their backup study is we match up two groups. We say to young men, we're going to match you with someone who matches your criteria. 
And so they ask one group to list their criteria and another group to list their criteria. Then they match one group up with people who really do match Ken and the other group with just regular women. And guess what? No difference in how many actually met someone they liked. So one of the things we're finding is when you actually sit across from someone, your core gifts of sense of humor, kindness, um, all kinds of generosity, interest in art, that matters. But that's not what is on those profiles online, Ken. Oh, Suzanne, exactly, exactly. And everyone needs to hear that. When I saw that study, I sent it to my entire mailing list. I said, yes. everyone has to read this. I was just so excited by it because it's, it's so important. And I think that the thing that people aren't taught is that when you're authentic, when you're coming from your heart, you have a magic it's not a magic everyone is going to notice, but it's a magic that's going to draw the people who are right for you, who are looking for someone like you. And if you're trying to be someone else, you won't emit that magic. And that magic is the key to you finding the person you're looking for and to keeping love alive. So what you're describing captures that because people got to show who they are. And that mm-hmm. makes all the difference in the world. So if I'm listening, I might be asking, how do I even go about embracing or even knowing what my core gifts are, Ken? Mm, Yes. Well, that's a really rich question and a really important one. And, And just to kind of give a background of this concept of core gifts, a really easy way to understand it is just to picture a target with concentric circles. And if you picture in the center of the target is you being really you. It's the place where you feel the beating heart of your humanity. It's where inside you feel like, you feel that, you feel, I'm really being me. That's the inside of that circle. That's the place of your core gifts. But because that place is so vulnerable and so original and so unique and so tender... We hide it, and we become this kind of airbrushed version of ourselves. So if you could imagine that every ring going outward is like one step away from that authentic you to a more kind of polished or defensive you, the further away you get from that, the further away you get from your heart. The emptier your life becomes, the more kind of craving for external validation you become, And the closer you learn to bear living from that center, the more full of love your life gets, the more creative and the more rich it is. And that's the place of our core gifts, and they matter because they're where our magic lives. So, Suzanne, your question of how do you know where your core gifts are, there's a simple way to discover your core gifts, and it's by asking yourself two questions in an ongoing way. And here are those two questions, and they're beautiful and important questions. They're the questions of your deepest humanity. And here they are. One question is, as you move through your days, what things fill your heart the most? What things make you feel like the most peaceful, the most engaged and connected with yourself and the world, the most right in your own skin, the most loved, the most joyful? What things trigger that in you, even in little ways? And when you start noticing that, 
it's almost like a connect the dots puzzle. Like you, you connect all these dots and a picture emerges. You're going to start to see, oh yeah, these are the things that touch me the most and move me the most. These are the things that like matter the most in my relationships and in my life and the world. They're the things that make me the most happy. Ken, okay, in the interest of time, do you want us, we're going to have to stop, so do you want to quickly say the second question and we will then pick it right yeah, up? sure, sure, sure. Um, so the second question is, what things hurt your heart as you walk through your okay. life? What things make you feel an emptiness, a pain, a limitedness inside, a sense of sadness, despair? Notice those things. Don't tell yourself you're being too sensitive. And again, a picture will emerge of the things that matter most to you. When we know what gives us that joy and what hurts us the most, and we begin to dignify those feelings, we become, we know what our core gifts are. Okay. Two wonderful questions. Be thinking about them. We'll be giving some examples. You've been listening to Psych Up Live, and we're here with our return guest, psychotherapist Ken Page, the author of the best-selling book, Deeper Dating, How to Drop the Games of Seduction and Discover the Power of Intimacy. Stay with us. We're back with much more. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories, too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. In fitness and health, we all deserve a second chance. Join host Michael Skog for the program, You Only Stronger. You always have the ability to start fresh, even if you slip up on your diet or fitness program. Even small steps taken throughout the day can help. Each show will conclude with weekly assignments that you can use and will want to hear your feedback. You Only Stronger airs live Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Every day, we're surrounded by technical buzzwords and jargon that can go way over our heads. Now, there's a show that brings it all back down to earth. Tune in for today, Tomorrow's Technologies, with host Jose Negron. We'll not only explain the new technologies that are shaping our world, we'll give you the benefits and backstory of these technologies. Listen for T3 with Jose Negron, live every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset, your home? Is it from a reality show on cable TV, a comparison website, or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Ken Page. He's the author of Deeper Dating, How to Drop the Games of Seduction and Discover the Power of Intimacy. We were talking about core gifts and how do we access them and I said to um, Ken at the break I said so sometimes someone will say to their friend my best afternoon is spent in the park with my dogs or when I am painting I'm in heaven but Ken there's a tendency to be afraid to say that when you meet someone you don't want to be seen as Um, kind of neurotic or overly involved with a passion. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, such an important point. So so one of the greatest aphrodisiacs that exists is your enthusiasm. For the right person, whatever it is you're enthusiastic about, their seeing your enthusiasm excites them, turns them on, gives them joy, gives them warmth. That's the kind of person you're looking for. So, so often in dates, people don't get to the juicy stuff. And there's a couple things to know when you're doing early dating. And they all center around, in skilled ways, showing your soul. You're looking for a soulmate, you learn to lead with your soul. Mm-hmm. That means that you're kind and you're generous and you're thoughtful. And you look to see if that other person is the same way or not. You don't need to wait for them to be that way. You be that way. And if they can't be that way, then you don't want them. Mm -hmm. Also, you show your passions. Talk about what you love. If they're not excited by just your excitement about that, then there's probably something wrong right there. And ask them about their passions. That's a way to make dating more exciting and more alive. It's by leading with your soul in your search for a soulmate. And then when you do that, yeah, you're going out on a limb, but you're also filtering candidates. Because, because when you show who you are and someone ignores it, neglects it, insults it, demeans you, well, baby, you've got your information right there. That's what Mm -hmm. your future is going to look like with that person. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. not the kind of person you want. So it's, it's useful to do that. It's helpful. It's not just more vulnerable. It's actually stronger. Um, and, and just one other thought that I, that I want to mention that I think is a very profound one. I think it's one of the most, in my decades of doing this work, one of the most profound things I've ever learned. And that is this, that suppressing your gifts, those places where you're the most alive, is not just an act of suppression. It's an act of quiet violence against you. And violence begets violence. When you do that, it leads to situations that make you feel bad about yourself. Because Mm -hmm. there's a vacuum inside where you're supposed to be. 
So there's a cost to not being the person you are. And every time we choose inauthenticity, unless, of course, we choose it for a good reason because, you know, we're in an unsafe environment. But Mm -hmm. outside of that, every time we choose inauthenticity, we create a vacuum inside ourselves. And that vacuum is bound to end up filled with pain. It's That's so well said. You know, related to that, I often work with people, Ken, who say, I've been so held down that I can't tell you what I love. Um, mm. I, couldn't, I, I couldn't tell you what my passion is. And so <clears throat> we might think that if you were on a date and someone said, what is your passion, that if you... Instead of getting hysterical or anxious about, oh, my God, what am I going to say? You might say, you know, you could say, I love you asked me that. You're one of the few people who have asked me that. And it opens up all kinds of ideas for me. So at least you validate you with a kind person. You know, even though you don't have all your, you know, all your dots lined up. Actually, as you and I can know, who has all their dots lined up? I don't know. but That's so true. But to be able to notice someone asking you for something no one ever did or treating you in a way you were never treated is another important indicator on these dates. It's so true. It's so true. I mean, if I would have asked my husband that question on um, on, on a first date, he would have been completely spout. He wouldn't have known what to say. That would okay. have been hard. He probably would have thought and then said something like, being there for the people I love. And that would have been a good answer. But at first, he would have been like, oh, my God, I don't even know how to answer this question. So, yeah, right. that's so true what you're saying. That's great. Now, one of the things that is, is so interesting in the book when we're talking about dating is what you call, you know, the relationships and attractions of deprivation versus attractions of inspiration because I know you have and I have we've had people fall in love with Mr. or Mrs. Wright or Mrs. and Mrs. and whatever and they are madly in love with this charming person and they go from being madly in love to madly in pain and so how how are we going to talk about this type of relationship so common. Oh, such an important thing, and I would say probably like the most important thing for anybody who really means it, that they want a beautiful, healthy relationship in their lives. This is probably the main point. See, we're taught to look for attraction and watch out for red flags. And that is not wise enough. We have to be able to actually look for inspiration, that the person you are dating inspires you by their goodness, their availability, their decency, their competence, their solidity, equally important as do they turn you on. You can't be with someone that you're not attracted to. However, it's equally, if not more important, to also look for people who inspire you. And we're not, A, we're not taught that. B, all of us have a circuitry in us, or almost all of us, where we could be crazy turned on by someone who 
likes us a lot, but just doesn't really love us or want to commit. Or someone who's mostly good to us, but then they kind of turn nasty. Um, Or people who think we're nice, but they don't really think we're amazing or that special. And something inside us gets triggered where they're unavailable and we get turned on by that unavailability. No, we get turned on by wanting to make them available, by the dream of making someone realize our worth and that's the path to pain but Mm -hmm. it feels like love and it feels tremendously exciting and it can feel white hot sexually and and romantically but it's an attraction of deprivation and it usually it almost never works um, and we could go through those again and again and say, oh, my God, like, like you said, like, you know, so madly in love and straight to madly in pain. Those are attractions of deprivation, attraction mm-hmm. of inspiration. And everyone who's listening, I want you to consider this. And I want you to consider making this shift in your search that you look for people who inspire you by all those qualities I just mentioned. And I talked about this before in terms of recognizing your core gifts. It's recognizing the things that fill your heart. So I want you to be looking for people who somehow when you're with them, whatever chatter is going on in your head, in your body and in your heart, you have a feeling of safety. You have a feeling of warmth. You have a feeling of joy. You have a feeling of rightness. You have a feeling of comfort. That's what you want to look for. And you want to look for people who have curated a good life for themselves, a life mm-hmm. where they're not just successful, but they like are nasty to the weight person, but where they're decent, good people, and you just notice that their values are building that kind of life. That's the kind of place you want to build your home on, the home that you're going to live in, hopefully for the rest of your life. Mm. Look for those attractions of inspiration and recognize that they might not feel as spicy at first. They might not feel as wildly exciting. They might just be a spark, but they will grow. These are the relationships that grow with honesty, with care, with presentness, with availability, and those are the path to happiness. When you make a decision that you're going to stop pursuing attractions of deprivation, just stop, and you're only going to look for people who inspire you by who they are as well as attract you, your dating life will change. So Mm -hmm. I think it's just such a hugely important point. It's so interesting the way you talk about the attractions of inspiration, because as people have described it to me, they'll say, I met this person, I felt so comfortable with her or him, um, I felt like they, they wanted to know me, and as you say, Ken, I felt safe. Now, I love one of the big points you make in the book, and that is the very fact that, now, of course, the person has to be appealing to you somewhat, but I love then when someone will say to me, you know what, I'm not instantly attracted to this person, but I think this person is appealing, so I'm going to go with her or him again. And I think that's such a wise move, as you've written about, because you give yourself the opportunity to let something emerge. And since you've seen and felt good things, it just might. On the other it's hand, so when, mm-hmm. when people tell me, um, he's wonderful, she's wonderful, da, 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 and then it starts, my rule of thumb is I say to people, 
if it's as much work as you're telling me, and if I were to say to you, you seem much more unhappy and even physically not as well as when you met this person, I'm a little worried. So that Good if point. it's you know, if it's costing you sleep, you're no longer eating, you're drinking too much, and you're always working at making him or her emerge to be the first magical person you met three months ago, we're in trouble. Right. So true. So true. And that's how you know. You know by, are you experiencing, is the weather between the two of you mostly healing positive weather? Or is it not? And there, there, there is, of course, a lot of work, especially in the beginning and, you know, around the period of the seven-year itch or around times of big transitions. God knows there's going to be a lot of work, but there has to be that kind of essential rightness. And um, something else I just want to say about this, like to any of you that's thinking, oh, gosh, you know, but I really like this person and he was so good and so decent, but I was zero attracted to him. Maybe I should have stayed longer. What I want to say is that maybe you should have stayed a little longer to try, but ultimately it is not an act of kindness to yourself to be with someone that you're not attracted to. You right. have a right to be attracted to the person. And what Suzanne is saying, what I'm saying is that attraction absolutely can grow. So you're with somebody and you think, I can look at this person and think it's definitely not an absolute no, but there's no strong yes, but there's a nice feeling. Do something like like have your next date be taking a walk or go to a movie and hold hands or right. have a conversation that's like really, you know, kind of gratifying and watch what happens because intimacy can grow. An important thing to do, too, is to look at your past history. All of us have patterns in choosing relationships. What have been the patterns of the people that you've chosen? What have been the negative patterns? What have been the positive? It's really important to know those so that you can kind of watch out and begin to really make changes. And what you're going to find, and there's actually fascinating research backing this up, once you make a decision that you're only going to look for an attraction of inspiration, two amazing things are going to happen. One, you're going to start noticing those people more and somehow finding them more. I don't know how that happens, but it does. Mm -hmm. And two, you're going to find yourself more attracted to them. And those are amazing things. And it just, it saddens me immensely that people aren't taught these things, that we're Mm -hmm. not taught that the search for love is one of the greatest journeys of personal growth that we're ever going to take in our lives. Well, it's see what you're what you're saying. I love the gift to our listeners is the journey is really very interesting if we take it to be a journey rather than if I don't meet someone the next time I look and see who clicked on my profile, I'm in trouble. Yes. Oh, exactly, exactly, Suzanne. <clears throat> because exactly. the desperate the desperation sets you up not to embrace yourself or the other person. The, the other thing that you have said so often is take your time and even if you say, I think you have your 90% rule, they're, yeah. not, they're not dropping off trees. But if you're more curious than anxious in the dating game, you're going to do better. That's so true. Now, so one, true. Of the thing, one of the things that um, 
we're going to do, we're, we're almost out of time, but one of the things I would love you to share with our listeners when we come back um, are the seven skills of deeper dating, um, because I really think they embody a lot of the reality of what you face. It's not easy, but if you have some guidelines, and that's what you give folks, um, Ken, then it's a little bit easier. We're going to take a break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with Ken Page, renowned psychotherapist and the author of Deeper Dating, How to Drop the Games of Seduction and Discover the Power of Intimacy. Stay with us. We're coming back with more. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Ken Page. Uh, He's the author of Deeper Dating, and we were just about to go into skills of deeper dating. Ken, what are, what are, we touched some of them, but what are some of the skills you still want to talk about? Oh, yes. Um, there are five different skills that I just want to briefly cover because I think they're all um, exciting, and I think they open doors to new ways of thinking, and I think they work. So um, let me tell what those things are. Um, 
The first one is, this is a helpful one for when you're out on a date. If you've ever seen an artist work on a portrait of someone, you often notice that they squint a little bit as they're, as they're doing the portrait. The reason they squint is so that, like, they soften their focus so that they don't notice the harsh outlines of their subject as much as kind of the essence of, of their subject. And when you go out on a date, I'd like you to consider squinting just a little bit. Mm -hmm. The person might listen to music that just annoys you endlessly. Um, They might not be in the economic range that is your absolute sweet spot of what you're looking for. They may not be in the height range um, or the weight range. Um, again, I'm not asking you to go against your own sense of what works for you and what doesn't, but squint a little. Soften your focus and do something else instead, which is the second kind of suggestion. And that is focus on the quality of the connection. Now, you have to kind of do that consciously. It doesn't, it's not automatic because in your head you're going to be like, you're going to be asking the big questions. Do I like them? Do they like me? Do I measure up? Do they measure up? And your head is going to be filled with endless iterations of that. Well, there's nothing we can do about that. We're human. But what you can do is try something else, which is kind of drop down into your gut, drop down into your feelings, and think, what's the feeling like with this person? Your head might be saying, she's perfect, but your heart might be feeling, wow, there's like a coldness that I feel in this connection. It might be the reverse. So you'll learn so much if you can drop out of your head and into the quality of the connection. It's going to tell you a lot. Like, wow, this person makes me laugh. I wouldn't have thought of them as somebody I'd want to date, but I feel so warm and good with them. And you know what? You won't notice that if you don't do this exercise you'll, because you'll mm. be so stuck in your head. That's so great. that's a second one. Squint. Um, yes. Just to soften the focus and then drop down to notice the quality of the connection. Mm-hmm. Because in the um, end, in life, you're going to be sitting across from the quality of that connection. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly, it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you want it to feel generative. Yeah. You want it to be a feeling that feels good. Even if there are differences in your values, your politics, the way that you speak, if your insides feel nourished and good and right and peaceful and happy with this person... There's no, there's no quantifying what that's going to mean for your future, for your family's future, etc. There's even a safety of protest. If you're able to say to the person, I can't take your music, and they laugh and change it, or say, well, we're going to take turns, you were the good person. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. right. Yes. Um, another one that I think is, is, is a really important one um, that, that kind of destroyed my search for love and my dating life for decades, no kidding, decades, and doesn't get talked about that much, is what I call the wave of distancing. So let me tell you what that is, and listeners, see if you relate to this. You meet somebody, <clears throat> you're at least somewhat attracted to them, you're interested in pursuing this. So... You both connect, and then after a little bit of time, you realize there's no question about the fact that they like you and they're interested. They like you, and they're interested, and they're consistent, 
and they're decent, and they're caring, and they're available, and they're interested, not to any kind of like suffocating way, but just in a normal way. They're there, they're present, they're interested, they're kind, they're decent, and all of a sudden, their sexual and romantic attractiveness drops down 20 notches. And all of a sudden, you want to get back to the, to the hunt. And all of a sudden, their laugh starts irritating you terribly. These kind of things, this is, I think, the greatest destroyer of healthy love. Because you feel these things when someone's available if you're used to people who are not available. So it's the wave, the wave of distancing. And if you're with someone who's got those positive qualities and you're interested in the beginning and as you see their availability, your interest starts to plummet, what do you do? Well, I'll tell you what you do. First, you come to understand that it's actually a wave, meaning waves come and they go. And what it is is an odd manifestation of your fear in most cases, because you finally have met somebody who could really be a somebody. So what do you do? You do not flee. You do not flee, but you don't pressure yourself. You don't make the next date one where you're going to sleep together. You don't make the next date one that is like, let's say, you know, um, I don't know what, anything that feels suffocating or a little too intense or too much for you. You make the next date a walk or a hike, or a movie where you hold hands. In other words, you enjoy the person and you give yourself space. And what's going to happen almost always is the wave is going to disappear. And when it disappears, your interest is going to come back. And when it disappears, you're going to have a better sense of whether or not this person is right for you or not. But if you don't know what the wave is, you're probably going to think that there's just something wrong with you. And you're also going to think, I've got to get out of here and find someone new who excites me. Very important point and, and one that you know, I, I think we need to get taught about. And the final point that I want to make is this. This is an intimacy journey. It's not a dating game. It's an intimacy journey. And as you take the steps that we've been talking about, your world is going to open up. You will feel more self-loving. You will feel more wisdom. You will feel more fascinated by this journey. And as you do this, you will also feel stuck in ways that you've been stuck before. That's got to happen. And that's where you need a learning partner. Someone who is going to, and actually my book, Deeper Dating, is it's a course in a book. It's everything we've talked about in course form in the book. And I ask people to consider doing it with a learning partner. There are exercises at the end of each chapter specifically to do with your learning partner. But whether you do my book or not, whether you get a learning partner or not, Anybody that you can talk to when you feel stuck in the old ways will make all the difference in the world. Yes. So we just yep. need to dignify this journey. It's an adventure. It's an adventure into what matters most, your ability to give and receive love. And a learning partner helps with that. And so those are, those are the skills that I wanted to speak about. You know, they say you never go into a dangerous neighborhood alone. You don't go into dating if you don't have to alone because that extra voice, that friend who's saying to you, you know what? I That's think right. 
You're misinterpreting anxiety as excitement. This guy's not making you anxious. That means, you know, that wave, that wave is sometimes misinterpreted. Um, but just in the interest of time, I'm loving what, you, what you've shared. How can people find you, Ken? How can they find the book if they'd like to read it? And I know you have a new workshop coming up. Let's talk a little bit about that. Oh, great. Thanks so much. Yeah. Um, so the book is called Deeper Dating, How to Drop the Games of Seduction and Discover the Power of Intimacy. And it's available in um, online on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's available in a number of bookstores. Um, and uh, it's available on Kindle. It's available in audio. So easy to find, most easy to find it online. Um, and and it's, it's a work of the heart, and it's a work that has changed many people's lives. I'm very, mm-hmm. very happy to say I get letters all the time from people. So that's, that's the book. And, and uh, anyone who wants to just learn more about my work, just go to deeperdating.com. And by going there on the home page, you'll see that if you uh, give me your name for my mailing list, I will send you an ebook called Four Insights to Transform Your Search for Love. And these are some of the insights we've talked about, but in more detail. And so that's a free ebook that comes to anyone who joins my mailing list. And if you join my mailing list, you'll get to hear, you'll get to read my new articles, and you'll get to hear about things that I think are important that are going on, and new opportunities to meet people and learn about meeting people. And you'll also find out about my new upcoming workshop, which is a deeper dating mentorship intensive. And this has been a dream of mine for a long time, and I've finally begun to do it. It's specifically for people who are at this point really taking it seriously that they're looking for a relationship. It's for people who either are coaches or therapists, or have just done a good amount of work on their own personal growth and really feel ready to kind of take this journey on. So it's an intensive course. It's only 10 people, and it goes on for six months. And I get to mentor you personally and individually, and people mentor each other as well. Everyone gets a learning partner. And throughout the course of half a year, our work is to transform your search for love and help you live and apply these concepts. So it's very intimate. It's very powerful. It asks a serious commitment. And it's for people who are really in a place where they want to give that. And it's been, it's been just an incredible joy to be offering these workshops to people. Amazing people. It sounds like a wonderful opportunity, and everything we know about authenticity has to do with connection and learning about yourself surrounded by people who are attuned to you. Um, I just want to thank you again, Ken, for the work you do in helping people really embrace their true self, their core goals and gifts, and really have an opportunity to find connections of inspiration. So for all our listeners and myself, I want to thank you again for coming on today. Suzanne, thank you so much. Um, You are one of the absolute top favorite people that I get to um, have talks with and be interviewed by because your insights are so rich and and so kind of uh, framed in in deep psychological understanding. It's just a joy to to get to work with you. Thank you so much. I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this in any prior show as a podcast by 6.30 tonight, Eastern Time. This will be a podcast on the iPhone, on iTunes, 
on Ken's site, on, on my site. Remember to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Until next week, though, mostly take care, thanks, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. 